You're listening to For the Lore, the podcast that delves in the craft of our favorite games, whether lore, gameplay, or game design. Each week, Roger is joined by Joe and Vince. Hello, welcome to For the Lord. This is Roger coming to you on Friday the, what the hell date is it? The 31st of March. We are actually, sounds Joe this week, he is, if you follow him on Twitter, you might be surprised he's actually still alive, the way he puts it. <laughs> it was a bad flu, a bad couple of days. So we actually got a pinch hitter from, for him. So Chestnut, welcome back to the show. Always great to have you Thank here. You. We are actually going to be covering a bunch of stuff because... You know, you go through those droughts every once in a while, especially if you're doing a, a gaming podcast where you're rocking your heads trying to find news. Give me something to talk about. And then you have weeks like this where a crap load of shit drops that justifiably all of it seems very interesting. So we're going to be talking about a bunch of stuff from the new Destiny to Seeker World Legends to the new Heroes of the Storm, Gal- Guardians of the Galaxy. But first... Fucking cards. <laughs> I'm just going to get this out of the way because I know neither of you are playing it, but... I, I still have the email. You still... <laughs> I can't believe you're not playing this game. Anyways, again, I've talked about Hex a lot over the years now. And when the second part of the PvE content was dropped, I made a new class, because, or a new character, I should say, because a new class had been added to it as well. The uh, the ranger. Is the ranger they're calling it? or Yeah, the ranger. And you get a pet mm-hmm. for that as well. So I started with that. And so I was spending a lot of time going through the contents from the first PvE patch that had come out, Zone, which is still... You, you skipped the sandworms, right? No, I actually did them, but this time oh. here I had the right deck combination for it. I know how to get through that shit fast now. I, I I figured it out that with pretty much any deck, it was like I can tweak it and get through pretty fast. So it took me a while to get through all of that first zone with this new class. And so I finally got to the point where I was entering in the second zone. Now, for the second zone, they did indicate that it was significantly larger than the first one, which is saying a lot. Because, again, if you are thinking about this in the traditional sense of a card game, you may not be able to appreciate just how much PvE content there is for you, be it just normal encounters as well as actual dungeons that you do. There's there's a ton in there. So when they were saying it's quite a bit bigger, and I can't remember just how big, I think it was two and a half times that they were saying bigger than the first, although I could be wrong. I was like, okay, well, this will be interesting. So I started playing in the new zone once I'd leveled up my, my, uh, my ranger, Manuel. And it is fucking big. <laughs> wait, 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 is... wait, wait. What race is Manuel? Manuel is an undead guy, a necrotic. Okay. And his his pet is a rat named Basil <laughs> from Faulty Towers. Manuel and Basil. <laughs> so uh, anyway, so I started doing the that new zone. And again, it is huge. So you have right off the bat, there's a couple of dungeon encounters some of which they had teased a long time ago like you're dealing finally with those junkyard mongrels and very early on you start and there's a dungeon you go into and basically you're helping one of three daughter dogs mongrels take down her father the alpha who shouldn't be leading that pack so you have to choose which one you want to help beat the 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 alpha male and it's a really cool uh little dungeon and especially when you compare it to the dungeons that are in the first zone which you know some of them were challenging certainly one of them especially uh, one of the encounters in one of the dungeons was batshit crazy how fucking hard it was but overall it's not too bad um granted i mean i've been playing tcgs for quite a bit so i'm not an idiot when it comes to deck compositions but still it wasn't too bad you get into this shit and it's like holy fuck yeah you can see how they're they're like okay we're keeping one kid glove on but we're taking the other one off so it gets (laughs) a little bit harder and that junkyard mongrels fight there's some tough stuff in there not all of them but some of them are like ooh, that's, that's a little challenging 
And then what's happening is that as you're taking your quest, you're essentially working your way around a lake that's in the middle of the map. So you're having a bunch of different encounters along the way. Again, some of them which are introducing some interesting mechanics as well, which I really dug because we got some of that in the first zone, even more in this zone. Eventually you make your way to a little town and as is wont to happen in these type of games, it's been overrun by sea hags and by these crustaceous creatures, which again insert a new dynamic because you don't hit them for as much damage as you do. Every time you hit them, you're hitting them for one on their armor. So it doesn't matter how hard you hit, just how often you're hitting them. So again, you got to mess with your deck a little bit. But anyways, so this encounter is big like you are doing stuff around the town then you're going onto the water you're fighting on the water you go into a little island you're fighting sea hags you're fighting a fucking kraken at one point you're fighting a ghost ship that was bloody awesome that was a lot of fun and you're doing a whole bunch of different shit and once you finish that encounter you actually get given a ship and from that point on now you can start doing quests and missions and fights and stuff on the water in the boat. So now now you have a different deck in addition to yours, and it's the ship's deck. And the ship has talent trees as well that you can put points into different aspects of the ship, be it the crew, the mast, and different things like that, armor and things like that. So you kind of are stacking those points based on what encounters you're expecting to go up against on the water. And then you're fighting, well, you're fighting fucking clouds, although those clouds are fucking tough. (laughs) You're fighting a whole whack load of pirates, some more of those crustacean creatures, whatever they are, I can't remember their names. A lot of stuff on the water, and some of them are giving you a point if you win to put towards that skill tree thing and whatnot. Fucking cool as shit. Meanwhile, on the perimeter around the lake, you still have a variety more quests that have cropped up. And some of them you have to kind of like follow through and it's ongoing storyline that's going through. And then there's a couple more dungeons once you're out as well. One of them at a um, uh, some ruins, which, again, when you look at being imaginative with game design... I've not seen a card game do this kind of stuff. So you are literally, you're in this abandoned, I can't remember if it was a fort or what it was, but there's like different tests, magical tests or, or trap tests or different things that you got to do, which are completely different than what you would expect from a TCG, but they make it work. And you're like fucking Indiana Jones in these ruins. And it was awesome. And then the other one, the other one was big fucking huge and you go in and there's a giant robotic head and then as you progress through that dungeon which happens to be another uh, junkyard which ties into the other one with the junkyard mongrels and you have the mongrels here and as you defeat different mongrels or different there's there's dwarf excavating there as well you get parts for your your fucking iron giant that's what this dude is <laughs> and you build this robot that becomes a card that fights with you who automatically comes out at the start of every game who has additional abilities based on how much you did to unlock a cannon to unlock more armor and things like that for him and then you go up against the alpha there jesus it's fucking incredible that's really cool like there's a lot now before you've even reached this point, you've also finally unlocked the mercenaries, which is one of the best things I've ever seen in a TCG. And it's simple, really. All you're doing is you now have a crew that essentially travels with you. So in much the same way as in an RPG, you have these other characters traveling with you. You can choose who you want to be the mercenary, choose their deck entirely as well. And they also have passive bonuses that if they're in their group, you get these passive bonuses regardless of which mercenary or your main that you're fighting on. So now you have all these encounters that at the push of a button, you can swap between five decks, which Hmm. is really groundbreaking again in terms of a TCG, in terms of, just how much fun it adds and dynamics because you're constantly switching between decks now. So, like, again, 
there's a lot of cool shit from fucking flaming zombies all the way to fighting clouds. A ton of unbelievable stuff. And I'm not even done. I'm almost done. I think I'm almost done. I reach one pass where it's like they warn you to <laughs> level up before you try this shit. And I tried it. And I failed miserably, so I'm going to level up some more and keep trying. And I don't know if that section is actually open now or if it's going to be coming later. But what I did in and of itself took many hours to get through, and that was only on one character. So worth it. So, yeah, if you are not, I keep saying this, playing Hex and you are interested in card games, God, give it a shot. The work that they're doing is unbelievable in terms of not just their PvP content for tournaments and things like that, which they're constantly tweaking. And now that they've stepped away from, was it Gameforge? I think it was Gameforge, who was doing mm-hmm. the selling for them. Now they're doing all that themselves to try to keep the game going even smoother kind of thing. So, like, very, very, very cool stuff. No reg- regrets whatsoever. And then the next card game I wanted to talk about is um, Feria. Are we calling it Feria? I I think it's pronounced Feria. Feria, Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Yeah. Have either of you had a chance to try this yet? It just just came out. I'll take that as a no. Moving on. (laughs) I don't like TCGs. I could never get into TCGs. I like LCGs or deck builders like Dominion and stuff. So yeah, I like I like uh, deck builders as well. So this one here just came out, and it's uh, actually I talked to Joe quite a bit about it, and then I happened to I was playing, and I got uh, I invited Tristan to try my son, and and he and I have been playing together now, and he's been playing it quite a bit because he can play it on his tablet on his uh, his iPad. My iPad is a little too old for it, so it runs like a slideshow, but on his, it's perfect. But I play it on the PC, and it you could see how it was heavily influenced and inspired by Duelist, because it's the same kind of thing. It uses tactics in addition to cards, mm. and it uses the same kind of, quote-unquote, mana system, where it has the orbs, where when you touch them, you get the, quote-unquote, mana, or the resources to use for your cards. So it has that kind of thing but a little differently. And then it has a different kind of setup in terms of in Duelist, you just move on an existing tile set. Whereas with this, you're building the tile set. So you have the option at the start of each turn or anytime during your turn to lay down a couple of lands, to lay down a specific type of land, be it mountains or plains or forests, things like that. Or you can draw an orb, mana, or you can draw a card. So it's really kind of fun in terms of giving you a lot of freedom for what you want to do on your turn. And then your cards, you're going to lay them down on some of them need a specific type of land. So picture it if you're playing Magic the Gathering, if you know you're playing a swamp, you're actually placing your swamp creature on the swamp. And then you can move it around from there. So it's very cool in terms of kind of how it's set up for the boards, how it plays out against different types of decks because you have a lot of flexibility in terms of how you want to build your decks as well. So it has a lot of magic in that regard. It has a lot of hearthstone in terms of building the decks. feels very similar. 30 cards, even the same way to, to build a deck. Crafting, very much like hearthstone. You can disenchant existing cards that are extras. You can unlock extra ones with their dust or whatever the fuck it's called in this game. And and so there's a lot of different things that it borrowed from, be it Duelist or Hearthstone or Magic or whatever. But it does everything in an original way, and the theme is kind of fun. It's it's weird. You're sometimes going up against shamanistic turtles <laughs> and fighting frogs, but it never it, it's if you're looking at a line between reality and cutesy it's kind of in the middle, maybe leaning a little towards cutesy, but not so much that you're like, oh, this is stupid. So I like the theme. I like the way it's set up. And there's there's quite a bit of PvE content as well if you don't want to play against others. Although I'm already reaching a point where it's I would have to invest a lot of money. Well, not necessarily a lot, but I'd have to invest money to unlock what they call kind of mission packs. Or I would have to play a lot more to be able to make enough of their in-game currency to be able to buy the packs with that, 
which is possible, but because I'm playing a lot more of Hex as a card game than this, it kind of has already started to hamper me a little bit. But holy crap, fantastic game. Really, really impressive game. I like it a lot. Hmm. So let's move on to something that you are interested in. And of course, that's Persona 5, because that's going to be dropping pretty fucking soon now. And everything I'm hearing is pretty goddamn positive about it. And it's absurd the amount of quality games that have come out in the first four months yeah, of this year. Yeah. Like, forget the rest of the year. Can we just do the Game of the Year awards now? <laughs> it's too goddamn expensive, and, huh, too. Yeah, and that train is not stopping with Persona 5 hitting next week. Well, four days from now. I'm not going to finish Mass Effect by then. <laughs> I told you. Oh, no, no, I'll finish it. I'll take some time off work had other plans I, which is what <laughs> happens this is why i told you there's no way in hell you're gonna finish in time but yeah persona 5 is coming out very shortly the reviews are hitting all the previews are hitting and i'm very briefly looking at a lot of the stuff because i don't want to know too much but like it's reviewing incredibly well people are people are saying it's by far the best of the persona franchise yet which is saying a lot like persona 3 and 4 are beloved by the fan base and like the and they're saying not only that like a lot of people who weren't previously into persona like persona 5 is finally the one that kind of clicked for them and, and looking at a lot of the impressions is what we were talking about when we first saw like that little intro mission thing however many months ago that was where this game gets you into what's going on a lot quicker than a previous persona game does like it gets you into the oh, gameplay so. there's still you know five to six hours of large like story-based stuff before like the full game opens up to you but that's five to six hours out of a hundred hour experience so percentage wise it's still not a big chunk of the game and i i found it really interesting what the actual setup for this game is here the main character it was from it typically in persona games you're going like you're the 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 outcast like you're new to town this and that but it's typically like a smaller town type feel like persona 4 was like a strip yeah <laughs> one street the, the entire the entire town was like one road but even persona 3 that was like a larger like city like it was still very self-contained and whatnot i'm still well, stuck in, in the one, school in persona 3 yeah <laughs> my Your... character never found the door to get out of the school <laughs> You're a kid from a small town who has now gone to Tokyo. Like this game takes place in Tokyo. Like it's it's going to be a much different setting, and like it's a, it's a really interesting setup because the reason you're in Tokyo is you're sent there as a quote problem child, and none of the schools in your hometown are capable of dealing with you. Now, what actually happens, and this is spoilers for like the first five minutes of the game, so I don't care, is you well, actually maybe prevented. We do. You actually prevented a local politician from sexually assaulting a woman. Jesus Christ. Yeah. But like it shows that, you know, there's there's a certain nobility to this character. Like I I, I like that, you know, it's why does it always have to go to sexual assault with these well, crazy yes. Japanese games? <laughs> this is true. Fuck. This is true. But he's he's sent away from from his town to you know basically blacklisted and given you know black mark on his record and he's sent to the school for problem children which is where you run into all the actual problem children that are going to end up joining your party so it's going to be some interesting dynamics of these you know bad kids and with a kid uh, you know the main character being you know actually like a good person uh, and that's going to tie in so much to the the character dynamics that make the persona games what they are of getting to know these people and helping them like improve their lives and become better people like it's going to be really cool doesn't that sound really forced to you though the no. premise so that no. you're playing the you're playing with bad kids quote unquote bad kids and you're but you're not really bad so well, it's well how no can we do kid that? is really bad to begin with yeah i say it, it's at that it's age yes thing, there are so. some <laughs> Yes, yes at that age, yes, definitely Not there are bad kids. the ones that end up on your team, I'm sure. <laughs> I don't know. It seems a little forced to me. Hmm. We'll see. Yeah, exactly. I've never played a Persona game, but this is this one has like caught my interest. So, mm -hmm. 
and uh, more so like some of the things that they've changed here. And this is what we talked about again with that little intro video. The stealth mechanic is actually like a big deal in this, whereas uh, like they're actual dungeons like designed by people <laughs> in all the previous games. It was all just randomly generated and it was a boring grind to get through a lot of them. Sometimes it was just how many floors are in this dungeon? Where's the exit? Let's go. I'm done. I'm ready to go fight a boss now. I'm tired of this. But they, they're actually designed levels now where you can use the stealth mechanic. And as they said, for people who are fans of stealth games, this is like going to be easy mode. So it's not like a hardcore stealth game. It's just an extra mechanic they put in there. But it's important because if you get noticed too many times while you're in the dungeon, you actually get kicked out of the dungeon. Hmm. And this is a thing with Persona of the most important thing in Persona is managing your time. The more time you spend in the dungeon is the less time you can spend hanging out with your friends or doing school activities and all the stuff that makes Persona what it is. Like, the more time you spend playing the game, the less time you get to do the fun stuff. <laughs> so like, they're really changing a lot of that. Uh, from what I've heard, like, even if you're good at the stealth mechanics and all that, like, each dungeon run is going to take, you know, two to three days just because, like, they're scaling back on a lot of, like, the restorative items. Like, it's harder to get to, so you can't just completely run through all 20 floors in one day. But that ties in because with each with, with each little mission in a Persona game, you're given several in-game weeks to complete it. And you just have to manage your time and figure out when you're going to do it. So what everybody would do is just fuck off and ignore the mission until literally the last day and then go do it. So this adds an extra layer of complexity and strategy and trying to think and plan things out to the game, which I actually really like. Hmm. And then finally is uh, they've made some small tweaks to combat. The way things work is when you uh, attack an enemy's weak point, you knock them down and you get an extra turn. That's how it's been in Persona games for a long time. Where now they've added on if you get that extra turn, you can pass that extra turn to a teammate. So it, it can you can set up a lot more interesting combos. And once all the enemies are knocked down, you have the uh, ability to do this big team attack. But now they're actually bringing in elements from other Megami Tensei games, uh, not just the Persona franchise, where once all the enemies are down and are in a vulnerable position, you now have the option to negotiate with the enemies. You know, basically, I won't kill you, and I'll even give you something, you know, like that, that you'll like if you join my team and help me out. Because, again, Persona games are all about collecting uh, powerful spirits and demons and extraplanar entities and cool little magical snowmen, like, and, <laughs> and being able to summon them throughout battles and being able to use all their abilities. Whereas now here, it's not through cards and or any other mechanics they've done before. Now you're actually getting the enemies that you're fighting to come and join you. And so, again, it makes you think tactically, you know, how can I approach this battle to exploit weak points and get all the enemies knocked down? And then not just that, like, the actual negotiation is its own system of trying to figure out, you know, what they want and, you know, how you can get them to join your side. So there's so many cool little elements that are being added in here that for Persona fans is going to take the game to a previously, as we've seen from the reviews, a previously thought unreachable level for the franchise. And I really hope a lot of the changes they're doing to make it a little more gripping at the beginning where you get people who like you, Roger, couldn't get into the games no matter how hard they tried. Maybe this one, you'll actually get to the first dungeon. I like a lot of what you're saying. I, and I do like the this idea of, of recruiting because it kind of adds a blended flair of both a, a Pokemon, Pocket Monster type of game as well as an RPG, something along the lines of a Mass Effect where you are recruiting characters to help you as well. So it kind of has a blend of both of those things. And both of those things are awesome. <laughs> so, yeah, that actually sounds very freaking and cool. And just throwing it out there, that trailer was also, like, just great. Yeah. <laughs> I, I just love how stylish this game is. That That's the thing that I always point at with Persona, with their art style and 
the music and the way everything fits together. It is the most stylish franchise I've ever come across in gaming. And once again, Persona 5 is cranking that up to the next level. Yeah, because this is nothing compared to the others, in my opinion. From when I'm looking at it, you you can't even begin to compare the style that we're seeing from these trailers and presumably from the actual game compared mm-hmm. to their previous titles, which, yeah, they were stylish, but nothing like this. Like, they kind of ramped it up. And, and I think that's partially why you're getting a lot of people who are not necessarily fan. I don't want to say fans of the IP, but they maybe just don't play them as much. Like, mm-hmm. I don't have anything against the IP per se. I've got some issues against the early games in terms of how they were designed. And I have some things to say about 4 that aren't necessarily popular compared to the popular belief by most that it's freaking awesome. There's, I think there's some problems with it still. But from what I'm seeing here with this, as someone, again, who is not, who's more ambivalent towards the IP than against it, it really does make me want to play. And we're not for the, again, the cost of fucking games now is ridiculous. Yeah. Um, I was actually, I was chatting with Joe about that because we were talking about Destiny 2. And like, it was not long ago, it was not even a couple of years, like games were selling for over $59.99 up here in Canada. They made the leap to 70 and and it was not long after that, we're already at 80 So like new games cost 80 bucks up here. And that's the plain Jane, no expansions, no nothing. And like Destiny, we're looking at 80 bucks, And then the first digital deluxe, whatever it's being called, that has the expansions, it's 120 And then oh. if you want those few useless digital legendary items, 130 bucks that's not right. <laughs> so that's why I've been holding <laughs> off on a lot of these games for now that I really do justifiably want to play. But when you're looking at it costing a third or a quarter of the price of a new console, it's just not worth it. I'll wait for a sale. And and I do want to play it. I will. I know unless it gets horrible reviews, which is unlikely based on just the I think, fact that I think people it's sitting at around 97. On yeah, exactly. Right it's now. already doing well enough that when it does go on sale, I will pick it up and give it a shot. And in fact, I'm looking forward to it because it does genuinely look very cool. And this, this that you just told me, I didn't know about that. That's fucking awesome. That's yeah. I, I would want to play that. Mm-hmm. Nuts. You got anything? A P can. I mean, you there? <laughs> I've never played a Persona game, so I don't know anything about them aside from they're an RPG with dating sim elements, and I love dating sims. Uh, so, some would say it's a dating sim with RPG, RPG elements. <laughs> I, I know exactly who would say that. Um, <laughs> and she might have gotten me into it. Um, <laughs> but it looks interesting to me, and I'm not a big RPG fan, but the elements I've seen of it like look interesting and something that I'm interested in trying. Why so, haven't you tried four? Just out of curiosity. Uh, part of it is my huge Steam gaming backlog, and I just got a Vita. Um, I don't have a PlayStation Four anymore, so some of it is like you know trying to find it in the store and being able to afford it in my budget and stuff. Okay. Um, well, being able to afford so, is an excuse, but everything else there's no excuse not to have Persona Four <laughs> if you just got a you Vita. You may be the only person I know that has a Vita and doesn't have Persona yeah, really. Four. That's <laughs> like the must. Games that I've been trying to get through on my Vita first, like uh, Sweet Fuse and Norn Nine. <laughs> Digimon. So I. I, I I haven't gotten to Gmon yet. It's also on my list. World of Final Fantasy. Oh, yeah, dude! That one on <laughs> <laughs> That's got to be first on your list. Unpopular opinion, Puffin. I'm not a big fan of the Final Fantasy. This is and different. There's Roger. This is different. <laughs> what a coincidence. You can't compare Final Fantasy to World of Final Fantasy. I assure you. It's <laughs> fucking awesome. It was great. Okay, anything else on Persona? I... Looking forward to it, yeah. Okay, yeah. Okay, it'll, it'll be it'll be here on Tuesday. And, and, and you, you got the steel case, of course. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> you can Come stare on. at a pretty steel case. Listen, if you're if you're gonna give me a steel book <laughs> at no additional cost, I'm not gonna say no. <laughs> it's a fucking case. <laughs> I will never Listen, understand this. <laughs> in, in 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 the many many things that gaming companies do, with special editions that I turn my nose up at. Gaming cases is I'm not a one of those. sucker for steel books. Oh, I know, I know, I don't get Plain it, but I got. It. All right, I I have some, but this is because those were the ones that were available, so I just picked them up. They're just sitting in my fucking shelves. I can give a rat's ass if they're made of steel or cardboard. I I can't even tell you like why. Like, <laughs> it just doesn't make sense. 
It's just a thing. Like, yeah. All right. We also got some more news about the next Telltale games, which we already knew was going to be Guardians of the Galaxy. And we got more information of what we can expect from the game as well, which is, again, this is one of those that I know we're very much looking forward to. I'm going to assume that you actually don't play a lot of those games either. That's... Nope. <laughs> Remind me why I asked you to come today. <laughs> I was going to say that exact same thing. I don't know. I don't know. All right. Well, because you needed someone to talk about Secret World. <laughs> this is true. This is true. Uh, now, I'm really looking forward to this because I like what they're going to be doing with it, the way that they're talking about it, how each, because there's going to be five episodes, and each one will focus on one of the main characters Star Lord, Gamora, Rocket, Drax, or Groot. You're not going to be playing as them, but it's going to focus on them kind of thing. And they're going more of a PG-13 route versus the more mature Batman game that just came out. But, like, there's a lot of cool stuff about this that I like. Some different stuff in terms of they're, they're going to have multiple villains. Do you know who they're talking about, Vince, when they say there's going to be a new villain that they've only just seen in the comics? And the the, the clue they used was that she's the last of her kind. I. Like just recently introduced in the comics, you mean, or that's what they said? So I don't. Well, I don't know. know. I haven't read in the comics. I haven't either. I didn't know. If, I I didn't know if you were still reading it. It's snippy with me. No, I, that wasn't snippy at all. It was snippy. It was tone. No, now, now I'm being snippy. <laughs> okay, yeah. <laughs> uh, Nolan North, of course, is going to be doing Rocket because he's going to be in every single game. And Adam Harrington, who's the dude who did. The wolf in The Wolf Among Us is going to be doing Groot. So that should be interesting, actually. Mm -hmm. Um, They're also, they understand the importance of music in the Guardians games and and anything you do with Guardians, especially based on the movie. So they're going to have licensed classic music to put in. So it sounds like they really, again, they got a feel for what the characters are now. And even though they're not going to be continuing on any storyline that's in existing comics or the MCU, it still is going to be, you know, that same kind of feeling that you get from Guardians now. And I like that. So I I, I can't wait to play this game. Because, again, I, I know that Joe had issues with Batman, but I fucking loved it. And I loved a lot of the choices that they made you make, which were not choices that you normally would have been given the opportunity to make in other Batman games or that you would see represented in TV or, or movies. What I'm really looking forward to now and what I need is now that we know that they've licensed, you know, Guardians of the Galaxy style music that we've come to expect from the franchise, pair that with what we saw with how they handled the musical bits in Tales from the Borderlands. Oh, dude. Yeah. Oh, Jesus. Yes. Yes. (laughs) There's no reason to think that they won't. They've got that under their belt. Like, I mean, they did it once. They can do it again. It would stand to reason that they know that's what they have to do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I, I'm call. really looking forward to see what they do, how they integrate the soundtrack into the game, because that's such a huge thing for this IP. Yeah, I, the thing that I'm most curious about is how they're going to handle that blend of storytelling and action, because Delta Games, they do have some action, just it's very much tailored to their special brand of games. But I mean... You play through freaking Tales of the Borderlands, there's actions. And there's fantastic action well, I sequences. Mean, it, it also, Wolf Among Us had a lot of action there's sequences that, yeah. that worked really well. That's what I mean. So I'm I'm looking forward to seeing how they're going to do that. Because, again, I, I, I'd been going nuts playing all of the Arkham games. And then I played the Batman Telltale game. And it was very noticeable to me because I was kind of drenched in that fucking IP at that moment. And I loved it because again, it was telltale's version of adventure or action or whatever. So I'm really, really curious what this is going to mean for guardians. And especially what I'm looking forward to is, is telltale's brand of humor because they're not normal people. (laughs) Their their humor is not what you get in a lot of different other games, and I love it. So, I mean, when you think about the finger-pointing gun slinging fight in Tales of the Borderlands, that's not something that any studio would have done, but they did it 
brilliantly. So I'm really looking forward to seeing how they tackle the humor in the Guardians Galaxy. Mm-hmm. Okay, let's move away from there now. Did you watch that Tale uh, of Ronin trailer? Oh my god, I had no this. Same. This was completely unknown to me until you posted it. Yeah, fucking awesome. <laughs> The art in that trailer was astounding. Yes, it I would was. pick it up just to play it for the art. <laughs> Vince, it has that it? like heavy, like watercolor yeah. ink. Well, not style, just like, not just that, but it has a, a very traditional Japanese yeah. style of watercolor, which is very different from North American, and it's very noticeable when you're seeing the brushstrokes in that trailer. Yeah, and we don't know too much about the game. Like, I'm sorry, I don't even have the. The, the games, the company's name in front of me right now, but <laughs> it, it, what we know is that it's going to be a RPG. It's set in you know feudal Japan, where you're following with the samurai, and they want to focus not on what video games typically focus on with samurai, and that's hitting things with swords. They really want to get to the core of you know what it means to be a samurai and the human side of the characters and, and all that represents with the honor and the sacrifice and everything. And I, I'm just really just to see how they go along with this. Like they said, it's possible and probable that your initial samurai is going to die. And then you just pick up the role of another samurai in that world but everything you did previously, like, still exists. So, like, it, it's going to be really interesting because, you know, samurai can die in numerous ways, not always in battle. It's, like, it's going to be really interesting to see how they pull this off. And as well, they talked about the battle system. Yeah. The battle system is turn-based, but the events play out simultaneously. So it, it strikes me as that... Like, how we've seen in so many movies where the two samurai face off and they have, like, the mental battle before the actual battle yeah, happens. Yeah. And I, I see that how being how this battle system is going to play out. Like you make your choices and then, okay, the game tells you what, what actually happens based on those choices. Like there's so much going for this game with the smallest amount of information combined with this trailer. I'm super hyped. I, I'm way into this. Yeah. I like the, again, the influences that you see, like what you're saying with that, that, the battle system and the pause and the it just feels authentic to the subject matter and i loved it loved it there was another vita game that came out around the launch of the vita and it had the same kind of thing with japanese watercolor and of course now i'm not going to be able to remember the title of it but it was a platform fighter kind of thing as well and yeah i can't find the name of it but i love that thing too absolutely adored it and that's the kind of feel that i got when i was watching this and it was like yeah i i can get behind this for sure and we got some other freaking trailers this week too like we got a lot of fucking cool shit (laughs) destiny 2 trailer trailers those two trailers were among the best game trailers i've seen in years i think with with nathan fillion as cade six the first one where he's telling the story of what happened. And then the second one where you're getting the back and forth between him and the other lead character, the, the trainer. I'm, I'm assuming you've seen both of them. I, I, I caught little bits of it. Like, oh, dude. But I, 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 I've been busy. I've been tired. I had a sick girlfriend. Things oh, happened. God. Okay. You need to watch both of those trailers because I'm not lying. They are among the best that I've seen in forever. But he, were, here's the thing, oh, Roger. Oh, my God. What's going to happen if I watch those trailers? You're going to want to buy it. <laughs> now, when you decide to buy it, because you're going to buy it, make sure you pick it up on PC. I know you like to play on fucking... I'm going to need a PS- new PC before that's even a possible Oh, uh, damn it. Because I know that Joe and I are looking at the PC one to get. Because as good as the controls are on the four, uh, PS4, y- you'll never be able to beat what it'd be on a, on a PC. So, yeah, I want to pick it up. Of course, as I made mention of the prices, it's going to wait. But I will definitely pick this up. Because, honestly, dude, I watched these trailers and I was like, I need to play Destiny 1 right now. I I really, really need to play it. Especially when you see what's going to be happening in Destiny 2. It's like, holy shit, yes, I need to play one. I don't care what I do and it just go in and shoot shit because it was that awesome. All right, move on from there. 
We also found out, and this is where you can finally speak, Nutjob, Secret World Legends. This is it. Your moment to shine. (laughs) Show me that there was a reason why I invited you here. Oh, thanks. I appreciate it. (laughs) (laughs) So Secret World is essentially relaunching their game. Um, The original Secret World will still be there. You can still play it. It is not going away. It is not shutting down. As many people have freaked out about, it is not going away. They are just making a new version of it. Um, They're fixing a lot of things that they've wanted to fix. Uh, They're fixing combat, like the combat wheel. Um, They're making it as they... I listened to a little bit of a podcast with Tilty talking to, or uh, Roman Amiel talking to Beyond the Veil um, podcasters, and he talked a little bit about how they're changing um, the wheels into more of like a page, and you sort of go through the page and pick things out, and that's not a lot of duplicate spells anymore, um, which is a big concern in the current game. Um, They're piddling with the graphics and making them better, but they're still using the old system. So they say, don't expect miracles. <laughs> yeah. That was a little um, disappointing. Don't you think? <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah, when did the, when did the original the come out? System. Um, do you recall? Like 2007. It's been a while since yeah. that came out. Okay. I'm going to pull Is that the out. game that old? Yeah. It's been around Real. for a little while. Yeah. Cause I actually bought it in uh it releases 2012. 2012. Still okay. that's, it's damn near uh, five years old. Cause yeah. July, which in by gaming standards is, is ancient. ancient. Yeah. It is. Yeah. <laughs> I can't believe they didn't develop a new engine. I I'm floored. Yeah. Well, especially since of uh, the stuff they've done with uh, Conan, but um, let me so- ask you this. Are you still playing the original? I am, but I will move over to uh, the community manager has lovingly named it Swole. I face palmed at that one, but um, I I'll move over to that one because I've wanted to roll up a new character anyway. I've just kind of been putting it off. Like I wanted to do a let's play with a dragon character because I've only ever played Templar, um, and I needed a change of pace. Um, I don't want to play the characters I have currently. Uh, so I was going to do a, a let's play and then I, they like came out with the announcement and I'm like, well, I guess I'll hold off hold and on, do yeah. a let's play when it officially releases and play a new character and stuff. So I see, I picked up the game like a while after it had been out because the sale was ridiculous. I got it, it was for like, like 12 bucks. Or I got something. it for five. Like, yeah. I got it for five. The ultimate edition is on sale all the freaking time. Yeah. For like so, but anyways, 15 bucks. What I mean to say is I bought it a long time ago and even then I literally installed it. I logged in and, but I didn't have time to play. So I figured I'll get to it later on kind of deal. And I never, ever did. I, I never played the game to speak of. When you're looking at it now, we'll get into what you think of it in a moment, but when you look at it in terms of... (laughs) Right now we're talking about what Roger thinks. No, we're talking (laughs) about I'm asking her a question. Nobody's letting me fucking finish, though. The question I have is, how active is the population right now in the game? Um, Because it's all well and good to say there's a sequel coming out, but if next to nobody's playing the original, who cares? So I liken it to Wildstar. The population that's there is very connected, very vocal. They know each other. They, you know, you see, uh, you know, a name there, you know who it is, sort of like in Wildstar. While the population isn't humongous, it's still like, you know, there's still people there. You run into people in hubs and things like that. So it's still alive. Um, And there are people who still love and love, love, love the game to pieces and will never stop playing. So there is population there. It's it's not as big as, you know, wow or whatever. But because I noticed that with the announcement of the second one, which you'll undoubtedly get into as well, how it sounds, at least to me, like they're really they're focusing a lot more on single player stuff versus group content which kind of remind me of the Swotor stuff with the Fallen Empire stuff. So, yes and no. Um okay. the way it currently works is you're essentially playing a single player story anyway in the MMO mm-hmm. um because of how story driven it is, which is why I'm surprised you haven't played it because as much as the combat pisses me off and as much as like the characters look like freaking robots, the way they move and they jump and it's annoying. 
like the story is the best story I have ever played in any single game ever. And I am not a fan of horror. And I will go back to the secret world and replay the starter zones just because it is so Lovecraft. And I'll go back and play Egypt because it's just so cool to see their take on the Egyptian gods and the banter between the Egyptian gods. It's amazing what they have done with the story and like spinning it on its head of like all these different like magic and and horror things it's just it is the best story i've ever played and um i love the voice acting in it too the voice acting is some of the best voice acting i've ever seen they have actors that you know from like star trek like armin shimmerman plays a couple characters and he's one of my favorite actors and it's just really cool to be like oh my god that's armin shimmerman you know as i'm playing through so it's it's just really it's this the characters are amazing and i could go on and on about the lore in this game it is <laughs> the best lore I have ever played in a game. And these characters, you get so involved in them and their story and, and just the subtext between them. Like, um, <laughs> two of my favorite characters are Moose and Andy, and it's never explicitly stated that they are dating, but they are dating. And you get, like, a mistext from Moose at some point, which is just flavor text saying, hey, boo, I'll see you later, you know. Um, remember to bring the picnic basket. And, uh you get a text from him later being like, yeah, ignore that or whatever. And it's just the little things you pick up on the characters that you wouldn't like in other games, just because it's voice acted and they take so much time to tell these stories is amazing. <laughs> Did they say whether or not we're going they're They're going to continue a lot of the same storylines and with the same characters in uh secret world legends. So far as I understand it, I have not gained clarification on this. I missed some of the podcast last night due to connections issues from a storm. Um, so I'm going to have to go back and listen to it. Uh, but so far as I understand it, it's essentially just redoing the story that's already there, beefing it up a little, using the same voice actors and storylines and stuff, and then just adding to it later on. Really? Um, yeah. Ooh. So it's... It is literally a revamp of the game. Don't reinvent it, though. <laughs> I mean, that, that's not cool. I, I'd heard there was going to be some similarities, obviously with the graphics engine and things like that, plus with the free episodes and things like that as well. But I didn't think that it was going to be almost entirely the same thing. Just so that's as far as I up. understand it. I could be wrong. Don't hold me to it because oh, I'm holding I you to it. Podcast, so. I will Damn never it. bring you back on this show if you're wrong. <laughs> We are never wrong on this show. <laughs> yeah, right. Sure. Fucking okay. Pecan. All right. <laughs> Was, I just really hope they can, like, really tweak the combat system to make it yeah. engaging. Because, like, I remember, like, I loved the bit of time I spent in the game. Like, I know I didn't progress terribly far, but, like, I just got really engrossed in the world and like exploring and like the puzzle solving and stuff that was actually in the game that every time I ran into an enemy that interrupted that, like it pissed me off because yeah. combat was a chore. And like, I had like anxiety attacks every time I leveled up because like I couldn't character building was just arcane in that game for me. So like if yeah. they can streamline like the mechanical aspects, but keep all the stuff that made the game what it is like, I'm I'm all in. Like I'm I'm okay with it being the same story because I never finished that story. <laughs> so they also haven't put a lot of details out because they're still doing beta testing and it's under an NDA. Like they sent out an email today saying because I signed up for the beta. They sent out an email today saying that the first wave of invites has gone out. Remember, it's under NDA. I didn't get in, so I can tell you I didn't get in. But um, I I'm hoping to get in on the next wave. But um, I have ways it, around NDAs. <laughs> there will be another card game that I'll be talking about. <laughs> but um, so I, I, there's a lot that people don't know because it's under NDA. So like they can't stream, you can't blog, you can't tweet anything about it. So there's stuff that they're still tweaking, I guess, that they are looking for feedback in the beta. So, I mean... I want to know more about it, but there's so much we don't know. So, Okay, now let me ask you this, because he's saying how he's all right with it being the same storyline and whatnot, if in fact that's the route that they're going, because he's never done it. But you 
have played through it. So how do you feel? Do you feel ripped off that they're not doing a new story? storyline again and again and okay. again. Fair enough. <laughs> I've done it on two Templars. Like, they're at different points, but I've played it through on two Templars. And each faction has a slightly different story. Like, the flavor text you get with it is different. Um, in Templars, you know, they're hoity-toity, high and mighty. Um, you know, they are the Templars. Uh, whereas the Illuminati are more, like, shifty and... Um, you know, kind of like, har har, I hacked you, and you get like different flavor text, and characters interact with you differently depending on the faction you're playing as well. So, like, there's changes with that. So, you can play it through on, you know, a character on one faction, can play it through on a character on another faction, and get a completely different experience, even though you're playing the same quests. Hmm. Okay. All right. Was there anything else I said about it? Um, updated combat, new progression systems, streamlining the wheel. They're adding levels, but I don't know much about that except for the fact that they said they're adding levels. And nobody knows how it's going to play into the game. Right. Um, factions are staying the same. Uh, if people want to keep the name they are using in TSW, they need to log into their characters before April 5th when they do maintenance because they are essentially archiving those names to free them up for Secret World Legends. So if you want your name in Secret World Legends, you need to sign in to the Secret World, um, and then you still have to put in a name reservation as well. So Yeah, I saw that. I don't even remember what my dude was called, and I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> I will make a new one. All right. Okay, was that it then? Um, yeah, I mean, it's pretty much, there are links out there, there's interviews yeah. out there, but they all pretty much the, say the same thing, so. Yeah, okay. All right, Vince. There was also uh, Simigani Tensei Deep Strange Journey that you found, as well as Radiant Historia. He's gone. He's poofed. Wow. Normally that's Joe who does that. I was muted. <laughs> <laughs> You pulled off a Joe. <laughs> Actually, you pulled off an alley. She's notorious for that. <laughs> You've been together She's too long. off on me. <laughs> it's contagious. Okay, you want to try again? Yes. All right, yes. So this week, Atlas had their new title announcement 2017 event where they announced three entire games as well as mentioned a that... Uh, their Megami Tensei game for the Switch showed off a new trailer that was essentially exactly the same as the previous trailer. So it's still a thing. Maybe. Probably. We'll see. Uh, they also showed off Etrian Mystery Dungeon 2 coming to the 3DS, which I didn't really look too much at. The Etrian Odyssey games, I've always been interested in them. And then every time I play one, I realize I don't want to play it for very long. It's just it, it's a cool thing, just not for me. So I don't know how Mystery Dungeon specifically is different from the Odyssey branch of the the franchise, but uh, maybe I'll look back at it at some point. The two that really caught my attention, though, is, first of all, Shin Megami Tensei Deep Strange Journey, which is a 3DS remake of the game Strange Journey that came out for the old DS uh, back in 2009. And this is uh, something pretty interesting uh, that it takes a lot of the Megami Tensei things that are present in Persona, but Persona is really more like character focused, whereas uh, the core Megami Tensei games are more like dark and like the world is shit and everybody's going to die. And it's much more mechanical and gameplay focused, but still having strong story and characters. And what we have here in Strange Journey was uh, something goes wrong in Antarctica. Uh, there's basically a mini black hole after an atomic collapse that's going to destroy the whole world. And the whole premise of this game is that, you know, the spirit of the Earth, if you will, has realized humans are fucking everything up. So we're just going to wipe the slate clean and destroy the whole planet because that's what we do. <laughs> and so all the demons that you come across in this game are, you know, twisted you know, spirits of of nature and animals, and you're down there to investigate it and somehow unfuck what goes on. So, it knowing what I what we know about how Megami Tensei franchise works, like this is a game I completely missed first time around. I don't even know if I, if I was into the franchise at that point. I 
think I might have played Persona 4 in 2009. I should have. And that was really my first introduction to the, the franchise as a whole. So like now I'm going back and seeing like some of the games I missed. So it's cool that we're getting an updated version with you know new character artwork and new in-game graphics and all that stuff. So that's going to be pretty interesting to see. A black hole in the Antarctic? <laughs> it's not a black hole, but it's akin to a black hole. Okay. <laughs> Japan. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's that's actually yeah, something I really noticed yeah. in watching this trailer. It's super Evangelion. Like, if you see like any of the the stuff from Neon Genesis Evangelion, the anime, like, there's a lot comparable to this, which caught my interest as well. So, Orange Tang. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> Listen, they're Antarctica. I guarantee there's a penguin character in this game. Well, that's why you're saying like all of these animals. I'm going. It's Antarctica. They're not going to find too many animals there. <laughs> <laughs> they're gonna be fighting a lot of penguins, is what they're gonna be doing. And polar bears. <laughs> Listen, penguins are fucking scary. <laughs> they are scary as shit. Okay, moving on. <laughs> That's not what Morgan Freeman told us. <laughs> they're fucking adorable and they carry pebbles. Come on. Moving on to what's the, in my eyes, the most important thing that they announced at this was the Radiant Historia Perfect Chronology, also a 3DS remake of a DS game that came out in 2009. Radiant Historia, if you rewind a hundred or so episodes, I did a feature on it because this game is amazing and hardly anybody played it because it got a super limited release. Like, I remember it came out. I hadn't even heard of it. It reviewed amazingly well. People were talking about it. I was like, oh, cool. Let me buy this game. Didn't exist anymore. It actually got a second print run, and I hunted down a copy through, like, a half dozen GameStops in my area and played it, and it's a great game. So the entire concept of Radiant Historia is it's your typical fantasy RPG, uh, more of like steampunk fantasy than like high fantasy. But, you know, nations are at war. Everything's terrible. You're a young man trying to, you know, survive and take down the evil empire. But what makes Radiant Historia so interesting is that the game takes place over the course of two divergent timelines. And you actually hop back and forth from one timeline to another. You have to. Uh, to gain abilities and like ways to access certain things. So you see the same characters playing out very differently because, you know, they're what's happened to them has changed. Like in one uh, timeline, this guy is your best friend. And the other timeline, he's fucking dead. <laughs> so like it changes so much for the characters because the, the main character obviously remembers what's going on from one timeline to another. It's the way the story works is just amazing. It has a Vince mode <laughs> where there's, there's several dozen bad endings that like, I actually had so much fun of like trying to figure out, okay, what can I do? Like what choices can I make in these to scenes fuck everything up? to fuck everything up and kill everyone? <laughs> I, I actually replayed missions over and over again, just trying to figure out how to get the bad ending scenario out of them. But yeah, it's a, a, a an underground cult classic game that I again now that it's getting like a big re-release with again updated graphics, voice acting, character portraits, uh, full animation cutscenes. Like they're they're going all out with this. A lot more people are going to experience it, and I really hope they do because this game was fantastic. Hey, I have a 3DS now. Makes me get a 3DS. I have a 3DS. I could play this shit now. If you can find it. Well, when's it coming out? Uh, later this year. Okay. Yeah, so what they've added in addition to that, uh, there is now a third timeline that uh, experienced players can choose to unlock. Like when you start the game, there's two different modes. Like one for normal people and one for people who already played the original but want to play the new content because uh, you don't unlock the new content until you've finished the your first playthrough, where it's a third timeline with this new character that shows up called Nemesia, and all we know is that she's a, a historian and 
it comes from a place that uh, Stock, that's the name of the main character, has never, or not necessarily a place, a time that Stock has never experienced. So this is now a third divergent timeline, and you get to investigate the mystery of what happened to create this third timeline and bring this young woman uh, to his realm. Hmm. And then also, uh, just to uh, elaborate, the gameplay itself was also fantastic. It takes place on a grid, so it's got like strategy elements, but you're able to manipulate your enemies within the grid. So you can set up a trap and then have another character pull an enemy into that trap. Or you can push enemies backwards into the back line and stack them up and then cast a spell on all the enemies at once. So like it's super tactical, very rewarding, but also a lot of fun. So that's uh, something to pique your interest, Roger. Yeah, no kidding. I love tactic games. Awesome. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, but, but, but it's not like a tactic RPG, but it's very tactical and figuring out like what order to move your guys in because the enemies can do the same shit to you. Like you don't want to get stacked up in your back line and then have a, a wall of fire thrown at you. So when this game comes out, because it's going to be a while now when it comes out, you're going to need to say, by the way, Raj, <laughs> you sounded interested in this. You may want to pick it up because I will forget. <laughs> It's going to be your job to remind me. You're my Karen as it comes to games. <laughs> Say, you really like this. You're going to want to maybe pick it up. And I'll go, okay, I'll, I'll trust you on this one. Because <laughs> I will forget. But it sounds awesome. It does. In Japan this summer, uh, we'll see when the American release date is. But they've already, the localization is being worked on. It's not an if. It will be done. Yeah, it, it's happening. Awesome. Yeah. Very cool. Okay. We were going to talk a little bit about Heroes, but it is getting a little bit late. And before we go, I did want to go to you, Nut, and see, like, what are you playing right now that you're invested in? Like, you're still playing Wildstar. What else are you playing? (laughs) Or is it just Wildstar? (laughs) (laughs) No, actually, I've been playing um, quite a bit of WoW as well. Um, I've still stuck there. I don't know why, because I'm not really playing any of the new story. I just really enjoy the group of people I'm playing with. So, um, so basically you're of, another person staying just because of their guild. Yeah. I've been there, so and, I understand. <laughs> like, I really like the people. They're, they're people I enjoy hanging out with. Yeah. So it's, I mean, it's relaxing to talk to them at the end of the day after a crap day. Um, I've also been... Uh, playing through Sweet Fuse and Norn 9, which are two different Otomes on my Vita. <laughs> and um, I picked up Style Savvy on the original DS. I have a DS Lite um, from way back cool. that um, school, I play old DS games on. <laughs> <laughs> so I picked up Style Savvy, the original one, um, yeah. which is like a you know, do fashion and, you know, sell things and get money and unlock clothes. And it's like a mindless when I need 10 minutes, um, you know, at the end of the day or something before I get in Atlanta traffic, like I'll pop that open and play for a couple minutes. It doesn't sound nearly pervy enough for you, though. It's not pervy enough for me. (laughs) It's very pure, pure. (laughs) No, I. There need to be some NC seventeen releases on Vita. You know I what? Mean, I'm not going to lie to you. I completely agree. I, I agree. <laughs> I have suggestions if people want suggestions. <laughs> there is no reason at this point, especially with the device. While wow, this is opening up a conversation, I didn't think we'd have, but yeah, like with the device nearing the end of its cycle, with a lot of developers now stopping their development of games for it because it's not lucrative enough. Obviously, the device still can do so many amazing things and and i'm not talking about like the the triple a vita games that are big in terms of their scope and whatnot but you could do a lot with like you like the otome games which are essentially they're just visual novels yeah, and, and there are a ton coming out this year a ton i'm sure you guys have heard about them from yeah <laughs> so like you could do a ton of that stuff for the vita that is like Anything from cutesy kid stuff all the way to explicit stuff. And there's no reason not to. The device will do it well. It's adults playing the game. Who gives a fuck? And, like, you could really have some interesting games. Not just sleazy stuff, but just games for adults that can include stuff that is more risky. Yes. So, yeah. Like, I actually have... Um, for a little while, my son and I were doing, because he was going to go into game development, whenever there were 
the game maker or different things like that, I would buy it so that we could work on it together and things like that. And he, he changed his mind. He's working towards something else now. But we bought a lot of those things. And one of them was a visual novel builder. Yep, super that one's on sale frequently. Yeah, super easy to. The only problem is, is that I got a fucking artistic talent. Yep. <laughs> so I can't make the art to go in it. I'll write the goddamn thing, but I don't have the 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 chops to do the artwork and whatnot. But that just going back to the idea that like I'm I'm really hoping that there's a lot more of an insurgence of that type of gameplay for the Vita, even though it's for all intents and purposes discontinued that they can continue on with development for with those types of games. And there are, there's a bunch coming out this year, which I'm super excited about. So cool. Okay. Anything else? Um, you're still playing really. Wildstar, star though, right? You are still playing. <laughs> yeah, I am still playing. You're still doing um, the podcast. Uh, podcast is on hiatus because uh, one of our co-hosts um, has cancer. So, oh, damn. Yeah. He, <laughs> he found out a couple weeks after our other co-host lost his father to the same type of cancer. Why are you oh. doing... Okay, okay. <laughs> <laughs> so we're on hiatus because then I went... We're to on hiatus. So- it's complicated. Thank you. <laughs> we can end the show on a positive note and not feel horrible about life. God. Okay, well. Yeah, like we were hit boom, boom, boom with real life, and we're like, like I'm still editing episode 100. (laughs) So. All right. Well, it was nice having you on the show, even though you bummed us out at the end. (laughs) I'm sorry, man. (laughs) All right. Where can the folks find you? Uh, Twitter is the best place to find me. It's at GG Chestnut. It links from everywhere from there. And if you want to, if you're interested in Wildstar and you want to check out the podcast, it is Wildcast Podcast over at Mognation.com. There you go. You can find us, of course, at ForTheLord.com. You can find us on Stitcher, iTunes, all that jazz. Leave us some comments. And I'm missing something. On Twitter! We're on the Twitters as well at For the Lore, and I am Zen Buddhist, and he is Samodian, and Joe is Lord Uh I have it written, but I would have had to scroll down for my exit, which I should have done because apparently I can't handle it just from memory. And that's a wrap, folks. We'll talk to you later. It's always fun to Marty it up. You know, at the end, fuck it up. It makes him feel good about how bad he is because I know he listens. <laughs> you hear that, Marty? We love you. And your media. Well, I mean, I'm actually enjoying recent episodes of the show because there hasn't been anybody around to Marty it up. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you for listening to For the Lore. Each week, the show is broadcast live on Mondays at 7 p.m. Eastern. Stop by ForTheLore.com slash live to join the conversation and have your thoughts discussed on the show. If you'd like to hear more from the guys, check out Comic Book Informer, a weekly podcast from Vince and Roger, as well as Popcorn Ronin, a bi-weekly movie, TV, and anime podcast. And lastly, thanks to Manelli Jamal for the show's theme music. We encourage everyone to check out his site, ManelliJamal.com, or find him on iTunes and help support this incredible musician by picking up his CDs.